بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على خاتم النبيين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين يا برادر السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته كنتم كيسوا دبوك في توحيد ويحب الله سبحانه وتعالى directs all to the things that he satisfies subhanahu wa ta'ala the things that he likes every moment in his life is aiming that Allah will be satisfied with him if Allah is satisfied then nothing worth to care of if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy with us then it is the way to Jannah the way to be safe from Jahannam فَمَنْ زُحْزِحَ عَنِ النَّارِ وَأُدْخِلَ الْجَنَّةَ فَقَدْ فَازِ فوز is to be safe from Jahannam and to be left to go to Jannah where Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم and his sahaba and their brothers it's the case of Tawheed monophism the case that every messenger has talked to his people in the beginning as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered each one of them as he said subhanahu wa ta'ala in the holy book وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَا مِنْ قَبْلِكَ مِنْ رَسُولٍ إِلَّا نُوحِي إِلَيْهِ أَنَّهُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنَا فَعْبُدُونَ each messenger of Allah he starts as Allah orders him with لا إله إلا الله he starts to tell his people to worship Allah only and no one else Tawheed or monotheism is talking about this case and since Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam himself told us through his hadith in al-Bukhari which is he told to Mu'ad ibn Jabal when he sent him to Yemen for da'wah he told him فَلْيَكُنْ أَوَّلَ مَا تَدْعُوهُمْ إِلَيْهِ شَهَادَةُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ and the other words other book إلى أن يوحد الله يعني first thing محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم told معاذ بن جبل the first thing you do when you go to Yemen call them to لا إله إلا الله if they ah there is a sequence in here if they accept then call them for salah so if they don't accept don't call them for salah What's the use of Salah of a Mushrik or a Polytheist? What is the use of Salah of a Christian or a Jew? Just imagine that a Christian came to this land and he lived in, a, in, in a, an apartment or a flat beside the masjid. And he said one day, say, why don't I go and share with Muslims their Salah? And he's still Christian. He does say, I said, Allah, Muhammad Rasulullah. We tell him, wait, no, you cannot get in here, actually. This masjid is clean and you are najat. إنما المشركون نجس فلا يقرب المسجد الحرام بعد عامهم هذا. The majority of علماء says say that any kafir is not allowed to get into a masjid unless there is an necessary or important thing to come in there. Like there's no one can fix something in the masjid unless he comes in there. Otherwise he's not allowed. The Darby says that Shadow Allah and Muhammad Rasulullah and he's our brother now. As soon as he says, Ashhadu Allah, Allah, Muhammad, Rasulullah, then he is most welcome to come to the masjid. Tonight we are talking, inshallah, about the 20th chapter. 
of this book which is saying or talking about how bad to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala beside a grave. Notice this point. Worshipping Allah ta'ala alone beside the grave. Is he worshipping somebody else? Is he worshipping the grave? No. He's worshipping Allah. But it is not allowed. And very prohibited by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam as we see in the hadith we have in here that it is not allowed for a person to go to worship Allah only beside a grave. Why? Because Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam clearly in so many hadith he wanted to save his ummah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam from the steps of shaitan. وَلَا تَتَّبِعُوا خُطُوَاتِ الشَّيْطَانِ He wanted to save his ummah from being dragged by shaitan into worshipping the grave. Is that possible? Yeah, someone say, well, I'm not worshiping the grave. I'm just going to the grave because when I come to beside the grave and I worship Allah in Salah or Sadaq or anything else, I feel more khushu'ah. I feel more close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when I do this beside the grave. We will tell him, you know better than Allah. You know better, you, you do not know anything if you know, if you try to say that you know better than Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he is, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, clearly as the hadith will see, inshallah, warned his ummah not to worship Allah beside the grave. Why? As we said before in the last few chapters we discussed before, what happened to the Nuh people before Nuh when they fall into polytheism. And how shaitan drags them step by step until they, until they fall into polytheism. In the beginning, they were five persons died at almost the same time. Five persons' names are mentioned in Surah Nuh, Waddan, Wasuwa'an, Wayaguta, Wayauqa, Wanasra. And when they died, people really felt so sad, so shaitan came to them and said, Why didn't you make pictures or idols for them so you would remember their worshipping, so you worship Allah, like they used to do? He did not ask them to worship the grace or to worship the idols, no. Just to remember. And from remembering, later on, second generation or third generation, later on, they will start to worship these people instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you go and see by yourself, to these famous and five persons, these graves, famous graves in the Islamic world now, you will see how what I mean and what's meant in this book. Go to any one of these Muslim countries all around, you will find that some graves, millions of people come to that grave to worship Allah beside the grave. But some of them, they worship the grave instead of Allah or with Allah. And that's what it means by the warning of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam not to worship Allah beside the grave. The first hadith narrated by Al-Bukhari Muslim, our mother Aisha radiallahu anha said that our mother Umm Salama, Umm Salama radiallahu anha was married by Abu Salama al-Makhzumi from Quraysh and he brought his wife Umm Salama radiallahu anha went to Al-Habasha in the first hijrah. So Abu Salama died, then Muhammad Sallam married her. So she became our mother, Umm al-Mu'mineen, Umm Salama. Umm Salama told Muhammad Sallam once that what she has seen in Al-Habasha, Ethiopia now, whatever you call it. She told Muhammad Sallam about the, the, the church of the Christians, where they put pictures and idols. And the pictures that in the, in, in the church and so on. So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said in that hadith 
that these people are the worst. These people are the worst. Why? Because he said in this hadith that when the good man, a righteous man dies, they build a building. They build a place for worshipping on his grave. They think that they are doing this because they respect these pious persons. A scholar or a da'iyah, mashallah, who knows about hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he's making da'wah and so on, and he dies. Imagine Sheikh bin Uthameen, Sheikh bin Baz, any Sheikh, any good person who was, he spent his life on da'wah for, for Deen of Islam, Deen Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when he died, he would say, Listen, wait, wait, we cannot bury this person with the regular people on the graveyard. That's impossible. That's really, we are not respecting this person. He has done a lot for Islam. Say, what do you want to do? We will bury him in a place like a masjid. We'll have a room for him in a big masjid in a big city, so people will visit him every time they come to the masjid. Or they come to his grave and they build a building, construct a building on that grave to save him from the heat, from the sun. The guys are idiot. No, they want to make him something else. And that's what shaitan really drag people to do. Because in the beginning, the first generation is only respecting this person. But actually, the next generation will start to give more just than respect. But it is more than that, that they start to ask barakah and they worship this person. So Muhammad Sallallahu said that these people are the worst because when a good person dies among them they, worship, they, they construct a building or a masjid in his grave and make these pictures these people are the worst. And we see in the other hadith also which is almost the same case he Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam cursed them while he was dying he was told about these people who have done this, like the Christians did before. Then he said, لَعْنَةُ اللَّهِ عَلَى الْيَهُودِ وَالنَّصَارَى اتَّخَذُوا قُبُورَ أَنْبِيَاءِهِمْ مَسَاجِدٍ Christian and Jew are cursed by Allah Taala because they have made their, the graves of their prophets as a place for worshipping. Let's stop here in a point. What means in this hadith by word masjid. Is it the masjid that is like this, in a building like this? No. In Arabic language, if you ask the pure Arabs who know Arabic language, the standard Arabic, what does the word masjid mean? Does it mean this building which is we pray in? No. Masjid in Arabic actually, that any place where somebody is making sujood in, it's called a masjid. Who said so? Even Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, as we see, in the other hadith that he said وَجُعِلَتْ لِيَ الْأَرْضُ مَسْجِدًا وَطَهُورًا يعني مسجد means a place for sujood so it is not allowed for a Muslim to worship Allah in the graveyard يعني just imagine somebody said I want to go and visit the graveyard ziyara then he made two raka'ah in, in the graveyard is it allowed? no why? He did not make a masjid in the graveyard, even though, since he made sujood in there, this is not allowed. That's why you will see, the only salah 
allowed in the graveyard is salat janazah which has no ruku' and no sujood. We do salat, and if, if you miss salat janazah in the masjid and, and, the, and the body of the dead person is already taken to the graveyard, or you knew later when he was already buried, then you can come to the graveyard and you make salat janazah only. Only salat janazah. You may make dua, you call Allah for them. You call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this dead person. Always put in mind this, this, this movement. You call Allah for him. You don't call him, you don't call Allah through him. We call Allah for him. Because he needs our call, as we will see later on. In fact, as you mentioned before, if you ask the ulama about the types of ziyara to the graveyard, somebody wants to visit the graveyard, what are the types of ziyara? Three. Three types. Polarism ziyara, innovation, bid'a ziyara, and sunni ziyara. Polarism ziyara means a person goes to the graveyard to visit the graves and to ask them instead of Allah or with Allah. And this is of course excluding from Islam. Na'udhu billah. Innovation ziyara, novelty ziyara, Bid'a ziyara means a person goes in there to ask Allah in the graveyard. Not to ask the dead person, no. Just to ask Allah but beside the grave. That's novelty and it's not allowed in Islam. What's the left? Left the Sunni ziyara. The Sunni ziyara which is done by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he goes to the graveyard. What does he do? Read his hadith in Al-Bukhari and Muslim, read his fear sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, his lifetime. Ask the people who talk about that. How he, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, makes this ziyara? He goes to Buqay al-Gharqat as an example to call Allah for these people. To make da'wah to Allah to forgive these people. Assalamu alaykum dara qawmun mu'mineen. Wa inna insha'Allah bikum milahiqun. Yarhamullahu al-mustaqdimina minna wa minkum al-mustakhirin. Allahumma la tasinna ba'dahum wa ghafir lana wa lahum. This is all du'a for them because they are already dead and their deeds are stubbed. So they need us to call Allah for them. So when you see this hadith, and the second hadith which is mentioned in this book, talking about that Muhammad was so angry with those people who make buildings or a place for worshipping beside the grave, and he cursed the Christian and Jew. Because of that, then you understand that what some Muslims do now, by going to this grave thinking that they are doing ibadah to Allah and they are really actually doing some bid'ah or nefarti ziyara or maybe purpose in ziyara. And that's a big case. Go and see. You probably know better than me in this case. You will see people when they go to the, this, these graves, especially those ones which is having buildings and uh, keyboards and this and that. When some people are taking this as a business, staying by the, the door of the grave, taking the sadaqat and qurban and so on, you will be amazed how Muslims could fall in such a case. How a Muslim really could do such a thing while he clearly hears the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which is in Bukhari Muslim, both hadith and other hadith saying clearly that the people who does this are the shirar al-khalqi indallah the worst people and he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the Jew and Christian because they are doing this and he comes and do the same thing they are doing is this the way Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
is the love of Muhammad is to disobey him or to obey him. We are required to obey him because this is part of duty on us for him And if you remember, the meaning of Ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah means to obey him in everything that he told us to do. To believe him in everything that he said. To refrain from disobeying him in anything he told us to do. And to worship Allah only the way he declared. Only the way he decreed. Only the way he told us. We do not bring new way of worshiping Allah. Now he is telling us clearly that we are not allowed. And he's warning his ummah not to worship Allah beside the grave. And we will say, no, no, we'll do this. What kind of... I know this is... And we're not just come to judge, coming here to judge these people and say they are kafirin, they are brothers, go to Jahannam. No. We're saying, we're talking about the action itself. When you come to this educated Muslims, and they say, yes, Sheikh, this is Islam. Islam is to go to this grave and ask a dead person in that, this grave, would want this Islam. A'udhu Billah. Even Christian and Jew and the others, when they see Muslims doing this, they say, yes, what kind of Islam is this? You are the people calling the dead people? At least we are calling the Isa and he is our God. They say it, of course. They are God. And he is alive. And you people are calling dead people. We are not worshipping even Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We are not called Muhammadis, as they try to do. We are calling Muslims. هو سماكم المسلمين من قبل Muslims. Whether he is Hanafi or Shafi or Maliki or Hanbali or others, this is not the case. He is a Muslim. As soon as he is Ashadullah Muhammad Rasulullah, and he does not break this line of Muhammad Rasulullah, he is a Muslim. He is not a Muhammadi. We belong to Islam. That's what Allah told us in his holy book. But that does not mean we are not respecting Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam on the other side, of course. Because يعني, the most important respect to be given to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa is to worship Allah only the way he sallallahu told us. That's the respect. It is a big case not to respect Muhammad sallallahu by disobeying his orders. And he is telling, telling us clearly not to worship Allah beside the grave. And he is cursing the Christian and the Jew because they are doing this. And some people say, no, no. We don't care about this. We'll go and worship Allah beside this place. And that case when he cursed the Christian Jew, by the way, when he was dying. When he was dying, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then comes to us to the point which a lot of people will say. And I know that a lot of people will have this as an example or a, a proof to say, what you guys are saying is incorrect because the grave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi is in the masjid. Go and ask anyone now, why you bury in the masjid? Say, well, see Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in Medina since the tabi'in time and nobody says anything. So why you guys are doing a lot of case of this, a lot of issue of this? Very simple if you know the history. You will understand why this case is happening. When you study the history, Go back a little bit, read Al-Bidayah and Nihayah al Kathir and any other historical book which is really authentic. Like Al-Bidayah and Nihayah al Kathir, one of the best actually. He said in the year of 88 Hijriya, that's almost 75 years after the death of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Walid ibn Abdul Malik, one of the Amawi Khalifa, wanted to enlarge 
Masjid of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Because people in Medina became more and more. And when Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam built that masjid, it was not as, as much as big as now, of course. So he decided to enlarge the masjid. Okay, up to now, fantastic, no problem here. But what happened is this. He made a mistake. By enlarging the masjid, and he included the rooms of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when I say rooms, I mean the houses. Because they were only rooms. Two meters, two meters. Two meters high. Not a palace with a lot of serpents, a lot of gold in... Huh? Only a room. Two meters, two meters, two meters. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The best person ever walked in earth and he's living in such rooms. Why? He was not capable of having like the other, like the Romans empires or like the Persian empire he could sallallahu alayhi wa sallam but he did not want and he said it clearly sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he was told why didn't you ya Rasulullah have more and yani, enjoy yourself he said no I, I want to feel hungry one day so I will remember Allah and ask him and I will feel full the other day then I will thank Allah for what He gave me. Right. That's not our case. When Al-Walid ibn Abdul Malik enlarged the masjid in the year of 88 Hijriyyah, he included the rooms of our mother. Nine rooms. Of course, only one room was utilized by the grave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi the grave of Abu Bakr, the grave of Umar, radiallahu anhum arda. So he destroyed the other rooms except the room of Aisha, which contained this grace. And he enlarged the masjid and he put the room inside. We have four points in here. Clearly we have four points. First point is that Muhammad was not buried in the masjid. With this in mind. So if someone says that Muhammad is buried in the masjid, tell him no, this is wrong. Ask him this question. Where were Muhammad buried when he died? Where? In Aisha's room outside of the masjid. And I have to put two lines under the case of outside of the masjid. So no one will come to us and say, we can't bury our dead fasted persons into the masjid because Muhammad was buried in the masjid. We'll no, this is wrong. Muhammad was not buried in the masjid. First point. Second point. The masjid was not built on the grave of Muhammad Because Muhammad he is the one who built the masjid. And he was alive at that time. So he would say that we can, bury, we can build a masjid on top of our grave. Muhammad he is the one who built that masjid. And he was alive at that time, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The first point is, including the room of Aisha, which is containing the three graves, was not accepted by everybody. In fact, most of the Sahaba have already died. Tabi'een, especially Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, one of the heads of Tabi'een, he refused that, and he tried by his best and the other seven fuqaha of Medina that time to stop this case, but they couldn't, because Al-Walid ibn Abdul Malik insisted in doing that. And it was a mistake, of course.
The fourth point is that his grave now is not in the masjid. Where is it? In the room. There's a room in the masjid. Even though, can we touch the, 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 the grave? Can we see the grave? No, it is in a room, but the room is in the masjid. Actually, so that part of the room is not part of the masjid. Nobody can pray in there. Nobody can touch the grave. So it's not counted as a part of the masjid. Like what? And if we come to this masjid and we cut a piece of it outside of the masjid, we say this room, we need it for something else. We are not counted this as a masjid. That's why ulama when they were asked, do we have to do tahiyyat al-masjid, the two rak'ahs when we get into the masjid, if we get to some room which is not actually part of the masjid, although it is, when we come to the, the case of the, the building, it says it's part of the building, but it's not part of the masjid. That's why some, uh, some, some cities in the United States, or the, the West as an example, they make the masjid on the second floor. So it doesn't mean that the, the first floor also is a masjid? No, it's not a masjid. It's a baqala or a supermarket or whatever. It's not a masjid. So not everything in the building itself is a masjid. The masjid of Muhammad sallallahu now is including the room. But the room is not in the masjid. I mean, the, the grave is not in the masjid. The room is in the masjid, but the land of the grave is not in the masjid actually. And it's not part of the masjid. No one is praying in there. So we cannot count it as a message. So for these four points, that he did not, he was not buried in the masjid, he, he did not build the, the masjid into, in the grave of Muhammad sallallahu he, he was buried in Aisha's room outside of the masjid, and Sahaba and Tabi in that time did not accept that, and still the room is outside, uh, the grave is outside of the masjid because it's in the room itself, these four points, is enough to convince these people who try to use this as an evidence of burying or building in a grave. There is a hadith in Muslim Imam Ahmad and Tirmidhi and Al-Albani said it is good chain that Muhammad said every messenger, every prophet dies should be buried where he dies. Every prophet dies, he should be buried, or he must be buried in the same place where he died. That's why Abu Bakr who narrated this hadith, he came to his bed, and he moved it, and he digged under the bed, and he buried it there. Buried him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there, upon this hadith. Our mother Aisha in this hadith also told us another point, that he, sallallahu alayhi wa was afraid if we put his grave with the others in Baqi al-Gharqad as an example that could be a place for worshipping now just imagine imagine now that the grave of Muhammad is not in the room of Aisha and it is in the Baqi al-Gharqad what do you expect for Muslims to do? lots of Muslims will go to that grave they are worshipping almost graves of people who are not compared to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam how will they go do with the grave of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam of course, that's because they love Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, true. But this love should not go to the extent of worshipping him sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Loving Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a must. And no one can be counted as a Muslim if he does not love Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. But this love has borders. It has extent that should not go beyond it. The only love does not have any 
borders or extensions the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why we love everyone that Allah loves. And we hate everyone that Allah hates. So our love and hate should be upon what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves and hates. That's of course the religious or the deen love and hate. Natural love and hate is not up to us as you remember. So Aisha radiallahu anha, this hadith which is in Al-Bukhari and Muslim told us that he or the Sahaba, because the word khushiya could be from Muhammad or could be from Sahaba. We are afraid that if they put his grave in Baqi' al-Gharqad or any other place outside of his room, that somebody will come and start to worship him. The third hadith in here is the hadith of Jindab ibn Abdullah that he said sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the end of the hadith which is talking about our case in here that the people before you took the grace of their messengers a place for worshipping he said clearly أَلَا فَلَا تَتَّخِذُوا الْقُبُورَ مَسَاجِدْ فَإِنِّي أَنْهَاكُمْ عَنْ ذَلْكَ I'm telling you not to the meaning of the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu is saying, I'm telling you not to take the graves as a place of worshipping. Muhammad sallallahu is talking to us, brothers, and he's telling us, don't you, don't you take the graves as a place of worshipping. This worshipping could be salah, could be dua, could be sadaqah, Somebody says, okay, Salah, we understand. What about Sadaqah? Yani if I pass by a grave of a pious person, I'm not allowed to give Sadaqah on that place? No, you are not. Prove it. Prove it. Easy. If you come and see that this hadith is telling us not to do, to use this place as a place of worshipping. And Sadaqah is worshipping. That's one case. Second case is that, what is the result of that? More people come to the grave because they are waiting for Sadaqah. So we are making more people come to the grave and probably lots of them will start to say why people are gathering in here, or oh, there is something good in here, something pious in here, something special in here, so let's go and ask Barakah for this person. Go and see people who are coming to some of these places. As an example, Nizam al-Din Awliya and Delhi. You know it better. What do they do? In the beginning, Salaamu Alaikum when they get in. Later on, Salaamu Alaikum, Shwaya, get in to the masjid of course for salah later on later on they will go to the grave instead of the masjid in one Arabian country I don't want to call names some people they stay in the grave itself the building of the grave worshipping the grave and when they are told why are you doing like this why, why are you worshipping Allah why are you call this person he say no there is no Allah. This is the person only. A'udhu Billah. A'udhu Billah. And that's happening. Don't think this is imag- this ima- our imagination. These are happening. And you can see it in so many places. Some people are really lost in this case. And they think they are so much an extremist Sufis. They think that they are... In, you don't know anything. You, you are... You, you, what do you know? You don't have the feeling of the person who is sitting in there and saying, Hi, hi, who, who, and, and these things. How far he goes until the point that he talks to Allah directly. He doesn't need Quran and Sunnah now. Halas. Why do you need Quran and Sunnah? These are already finished. Let's talk to Allah directly. 
as they say in Arabic, حدثني قلبي عن ربي. My heart told me that Allah told me. Who told him? Shaytan. Shaytan. Shaytan comes to him after this, hey, hey, who these things, you know, he is, he is having some kind of hallucination, then he is thinking that the one who is talking to him is Allah, while that was only a shaytan. How can we prove that? I don't think think we have to have any proof for that. It's so clear. If Muhammad himself did not talk to Allah directly, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not talk to Muhammad directly, in fact, he descended the Quran through Jibreel alayhi salam. Yani Muhammad sallam did not receive Quran from Allah directly. Muhammad sallam, Allah did not talk to Muhammad sallam directly. And this person says, no, he's better than Muhammad sallam. Astaghfirullah. And he's talking, Allah talking to him directly. Astaghfirullah. Then he's saying, khalas, no need for Quran. A person who says that we need the Quran, he's a kafir, khalas. He's out of Islam. And you will find how many of these extremists show it. And I would use the word extremist in case. Because there are some Sufis are close to the Sunnah, yani they are not far away. But they are these extremist ones, they reach the point that they say, Allah is everything. As Ibn Arabi, Ibn Arabi, the one who says that Allah has the unity of this universe. He says that the universe is, is united. Everything is, this, and there is no Allah and human beings, no. It's only Allah. Yani the door is Allah, the, the fans are Allah, you are Allah, these books. Astaghfirullah. The other one called Al-Hallaj. He have another, also some kind of extreme sufism say that Allah enhanced into human beings. And he took this, of course, from the Christians. Because they say Allah enhanced into Isa, alayhi salam. And once he was standing in front of people, say, what is in this soap, what is in this soap is Allah. Astaghfirullah. He believes that Allah enhanced and come into human beings. أعوذ بالله. أعوذ بالله. So don't be amazed when you see such things are happening among Muslims. Ignorance, shaitan, desires are Allah. So what we need actually to know what Allah تبارك وتعالى and Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم want us to know. Then we believe it, then we practice it, then we call for it, then we will have to have a patience for what we are going to receive for it. As Allah told us in Surah Al-Asr with these four conditions. So, Muhammad clearly in this hadith is telling us not to take the grace of the prophets or past persons as a place for worshipping. Whether it's sadaqah or salah or psalm or dua and so on. So, can't we make dua in the graveyard? Yes, we can make dua to Allah to these people because this is done by Muhammad If we are doing things the way that Muhammad told us, we are in the right track. All you have to do is that never do a ibadah, any worshipping, then do it unless you have two conditions. Only for Allah, only the way of Rasulullah. Simple and easy. You want to go to do something, Jazakallah khair, you're feeling that to do more ibadah, Allah Jazakallah khair, go ahead, but with these two conditions. Only for Allah, only the way of Rasulullah. Then go ahead and do If you have a hadith telling you that to pray al-fajr in such and such time, or to make such and such dhikr after salah. Or to fast such and such day. Or to go ahead, do it. Do it as long as the hadith is authentic and sahih or hasan. No problem. Because you have good niyyah and you have the way of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then you are doing ibadah. But if someone tells you a mubayah and you're mubayah and it's saying, tonight we will have special night. 
we will have special zikr. Join us. And you go, yalla, let's go. Let's join. Let's special zikr, let's see. And you find this zikr is hayy, hayy, hu, hu. Is the way for Rasulullah? Is there any hadith say that if you say hayy, hayy, hu, hu, you'll be closer to Allah? Even if he is sincere, even if he is mukhlis, it's only for Allah, true, but this is not the way of Rasulullah. So we have to be careful. Not every ibadah is correct ibadah. And this is by Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That's the love of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Is to do things that the way he wants us to do. He told us, خُذُوا عَنِّي مَنَاسِيكَكُمْ That's for hajj. صَلُّوا كَمَا رَأَيْتُمُونِي وَصَلِّي Pray the way you saw me praying. This is in Al-Bukhari. He doesn't say just pray. No, he say pray the way he saw me pray. How did he pray? If we make Al-Fajr four rak'ahs. Four is better than two. Why are you so lazy? Why? Ishada, Imam is so lazy, he pray Al-Fajr four rak'ahs. Make it four, yeah. We are strong enough and mashallah we are sitting enough tonight, you know, let's make it four. How was that? Four is better than two, yes, yeah. Why don't you accept that? No, we cannot accept it because that, this is against the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. There is more rakat, more ibadah. No, even more ibadah. Because Allah clearly told us in the Holy Book, Al-Yawma Akmal Tulakum Deenakum. Khalas, Deen is complete. No more adding. Adding means that this person who adds to the Deen, he is saying one of two things. That Muhammad did not know this, and I know better than him. A'udhu Billah, this is kufr. Or he is saying that Muhammad did not complete the balag of Deen. Which is another kufr. So we have to be careful. But then, subhanAllah, ya akhil kareem, ya brother, yani wallahi, if we want to do all this sunnah, we'll be tired. There's a lot of sunnah to be done. Can we do all this sunnah? If we do the sunnah every day, yani zikr after salah, recitation of the Quran, so many things, our life will be full. We have no time actually to complete all of them. That's why Allah Ta'ala told us in His holy book that He will forgive us. رَبَّنَا لَا تُوَاخِلْنَا إِنَّ سِينَا وَأَخْطَانَا رَبَّنَا وَلَا تَحْمِلْ عَلِنَا صَنْ كَمَا حَمَتْ وَعَلَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا And he said, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, I did. I did. I forgive you. Because we cannot carry all of these. But we do our best to do it. After Salah, there is zikr. Leaving the masjid, there is zikr. Getting into the house, there is zikr. Going to the market, there is zikr. Going to the bathroom, there is zikr. Going to sleep, there is zikr. How many zikr? So many. So your life is full of zikr. That's only zikr. What about other things you are doing? Going to work to gain halal money, this is also ibadah. Eating food. With these two conditions, it is ibadah. Well, some people say, okay, khalas, tonight we'll have uh, huh? kabsa. If it's ibadah, khalas, we'll have, ya habib, kabsa means you are going to be in trouble. Take, take it easy. And eat the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not uh, this much of uh, Especially at night. However, so, even sleeping, even taking care of your children, even taking the wife to bed, who said, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So in this case now, we do not have time for novelties, or innovation, or bid'ah. No need, because we have, we have, our life is full. 24 hours we are in ibadah. 24 hours. If Ibad is only taught some Hajj Zakah, then how are we going to finish the rest of the day? Salah will take us only to maximum two hours and a half. Fasting Ramadan will take us only half of the day. Say, what about the rest? Ma fi Ibadah? La fi Ibadah. Fi Ibadah in our, our life. All our life is Ibadah actually. Talking to our Muslim brothers, taking care of them, visiting our relatives, doing this, all of these are Ibadah. 
even as we said, eating, sleeping, so on, this is ibadah. So, in this case, we do not need actually to ask, because the deen is complete, and our life is full of the deen, in every way, in every side, in every case. So we don't need actually to add as they say. The last hadith is narrated by Imam Ahmed rahimahullah that Ibn Mas'ud said that Muhammad Sallallahu said إِنَّ مِنْ شَارِ النَّاسِ مَنْ تُدْرِكُمُ السَّاعَةُ وَهُمْ أَحْيَاءُ وَالَّذِينَ يَتَّخِذُونَ الْقُبُورَ مَسَاجِدُ The worst of the people who are reaching the hour sa'a alive that's the first part of the hadith which is talking about the case of the other hadith that Allah Muhammad told us that in the end of this earth before the qiyamah a wind will come and take the souls of the mu'mins and only bad ones will stay alive so hour will come only for those you know, with the people who are bad people reh wind will come and take the souls of mu'mins then qiyamah will come the second part of the hadith which is talking about our case والذين the worst of the people also those ones who are taking the grave as a place of worship like the hadith of al-Bukhari we just mentioned in the beginning so clearly to us now with this hadith in al-Bukhari and the others that what Muslims some Muslims are doing now besides the grace of these graves in all around the world they Al-Badawi in Egypt or Aydarus uh, in Yemen or Ibn Arabi in Syria or uh, Karbala and the graves of Karbala as you know in Iraq or Ajmer in India Shah Jalal in Bangladesh and go on you find Makhdum in Philippines you can't name all of them all of this these people when they come to these places what they are doing is against the sinners of Muhammad against the deen of Muhammad and they are really rejecting the words of Muhammad are they covered? well, wait a second don't jump to conclusions we are not here to judge people we are here to judge the, the action itself then we will go and try to save our Muslims from falling into it there is a very important rule in Islam that not everyone falls into cover is a kafir. Not every person falls into polytheism is a polytheist. Not everyone falls into bid'ah or novelty is mubtada. Why? Because there could be a barrier. And we gave the example before, the example that Muhammad himself told us about the man who lost his camel in the desert and he was going to die and he slipped under a tree and when he woke up he found his camel in his head. So he was, you know, too much emotion. So much emotion. So what he said? He said, a sentence which is totally cooked, but by mistake. He said, Ya Allah, you are my slave and I am your Lord. Astaghfirullah. Of course, he made it by mistake. So Muhammad said, he said it by mistake, as he said, the meaning of his friend. Because he had so much, and he was dying, khalas. And all of a sudden, he finds his coming in front of him. And just imagine, you are in this situation. You are driving your car, and you change, you change your mind from taking the, the, the uh, uh, road you took a shortcut but you lose into the desert in the Rabb al-Khali huh? then khalas you saw this is coming nobody is there nobody is coming your car has no more fuel no food no water 
and you sleep in the car waiting for death. Not you, of course, but this is just an example. We're not wishing you are doing it with this. Then, all of a sudden, you wake up, you find some people in front of you with water and food. What kind of emotion are you going to have? So much that you cannot control maybe your tongue to say something which is incorrect as a smack. So, from this hadith, we understand that if a person is really having a barrier of cover, although he's falling into, into cover, he's not a kafir. So those Muslims who are going to this grave, even if they are asking them to develop Ta'ala, they are falling into polytheism, that's true, no doubt. But can we call them as a polytheist? Can we call them that they are kafirs and they are out of Islam? This is not our business. It's not our job. This is only if one of them is brought in front of the alim or the scholar and he discusses them and explains them and he still insists on that, this is another case. But for me and you, we are regular Muslims. All we have to do is to try to save ourselves our Muslim brothers from falling into these things. When I see one of my relatives go to these graves and ask them instead of Allah, thinking that they are having special power, and he brings you a lot of stories of the, the you know, people who go to the grave and they are so sick and all of the hospital couldn't do anything to him and all the doctors and this and this, and this. but one day he went to the grave of such and such and he asked them instead of Allah or took some of the soil of the grave for barakah, next day he, mashallah, he became a horse. And people accept these stories, subhanAllah. And you will be amazed how, how many stories like this are accepted by Muslims. However, so what am I going to do? Ta'ala, you are a kafir. Call him and try to explain to him that this is what Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. I will not say that Abu Musa or Ibn Baz or this other said. No. Say that Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala said. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said because he will accept him. Let me tell him that some guy in Riyadh told us this. Who is he? Even with Sheikh Ibn Baz or Ibn Athameen, he doesn't know him. He, he never heard of him. He's living in an Ajib town in India or Pakistan or, or Afghanistan or Iraq or this. He doesn't know these people. But if you come to say that Allah said, Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, then he will accept from you. Then you save him from falling into shirk. Then you are going to be rewarded by the one who can reward everyone. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why we discuss these things. Not to go and start to judge people. Unfortunately, some people, they do this. When they learn these things, this is cover, this is polytheism, this is... Ah, let's sit down, yalla. That guy, my neighbor, his name is Ahmed Ali. Oh, he's a kafir, he's doing this. That other guy, oh, this guy is a mushrik. This guy is a hypocrite, munafiq. This is not our business. This is not our job. Allah did not ask us to. Yani Allah will not ask you why didn't you curse Pharaoh? Will he? Will he ask you on the judgment day why didn't you curse Pharaoh? He will not ask. But he will ask you why didn't you try to save your Muslim brothers from falling to such things? He will ask you why didn't you learn that this is part of your deen and you, are not, you must learn it. Why didn't you learn Tawheed, monotheism that Muhammad sent with? And he spent 13, uh, 10 years of his life, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, calling for nothing but la ilaha illallah, which is tawheed. That's what we try to explain tonight. I hope that we give it enough description and explanation. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our deeds all. If you have any questions about the topic, I'll be happy to hear from you. Jazakumullah khair. Thank you, inshallah.